How you come back? That speaks volumes. And we're going to have a hell of a football team. Be great on three. One, two, three. Are you with me now? Said, are you with me now? They felt this good in a while. They want us to simmer down. Can you hear me now? Am I going in and out? I stop and just look around. To see if you're with me now. Tell me, are you with me now? Ready to put it down. Started the fight. I'm already forgotten, but they won't forgive me now. You really ain't ready now. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother! You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We are coming at you today on this beautiful Monday, September 16th, and it's episode 67. Really trying to get back on our regular schedule here, so this is the last special edition show we're going to have for quite some time. But it is a very special edition today. We are going to take a page out of... Some other podcast book. I don't really want to steal the name, but uh, think of it as a Mailbag Monday episode. We got all sorts of questions of yours that we're going to be answering, and of course we're going to be breaking down the rest of the NFC South football games from this past weekend. Because I'm not sure if you heard, but the Buccaneers are first place in the NFC South through Week 2. So we'll talk about how all of that is possible coming up on the show here today. But if you're new around here, welcome back to the show. I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Bucks Football, Evan. And Evan, how are you doing today, my man? Doing pretty good. You know, it's a Monday, so can't yeah. be that good. But it's a for first, Monday. It's a know. first place Monday, Evan. It's first place. And yeah, a lot of people can say <clears throat> it's week two. If you're talking about being in first place after week two, then you need to settle down a little bit. But you know what? Let me have my moment, because let's be honest. This is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers we're talking about. We don't know how long this team is going to be there. So, it's a pretty interesting situation. I guess it was because the defense was doing so bad last year, but I, I don't even think I don't even think I saw Bucks fans very confident, as, or I should say, as confident as they are now, like when you they know, were 2-0 and last year. But I, don't know. I, think, I, I think the 2-0 and <clears throat> last year, well, the 2-0 and start last year was one thing. Don't get me wrong. Like, that was that was. Probably some of the best Bucks offensive efforts we'll ever see for the next few years. But 
it, this is a different feeling one and one. This is a Bruce Arians football team one and one. This isn't Dirk Cutter's team. And we said that a ton last week, and everyone else is saying it. But I truly believe that this team has bought into the mentality that they're going to take a step and they're going to get better this year. And they're one and one, headed into week three. I, I think there's a chance to turn it around, obviously. I mean, they're only 500, and we've barely played a quarter of football. But you see what I mean. There's just a different aura and a different feeling. So... With all that being said, we're still in first place. <laughs> technically, technically yes, but like I'm, you know, I, I'll I'll let you have your moment on today's show. <laughs> but if, if you're still if you're still talking like that on a Thursday show, I'm gonna have to shut you down. Uh, we'll have to see but how the today, Giants game goes. Today, since it's a Monday, since it's a Monday, uh, I'll, I'll let you go because you need something bright on a Monday. <laughs> So, uh, so like I said, today is going to be a special edition of the show. We're going to be answering a lot of your guys' questions that you submitted to us on Instagram. Uh, and then, of course, before we do that, we're going to give you a quick division rival rundown, and we're going to explain to you what happened for the Bucks to be in first place through Week 2. So um, let's take a look at what happened to make this possible. Of course, we know the Bucks beat the Panthers 20-14 to on Thursday Night Football. That made them 1-1 one one with a 1-0 and division record, and that division win is really what's putting us ahead right now. The Panthers fell to 0-2, and they are last in the NFC South. The Saints played the Rams, and Evan, their fan base still has not found a way to shut up. I, <laughs> I mean, it's so easy to dog on Saints fans, and I understand that you know the officiating has been bad, and there was some bad officiating in the L.A. New Orleans game. There was some bad officiating in the Carolina-Tampa Bay game. There's been some bad officiating all over the league for the past two or three years, it seems like. But the biggest takeaway from that game is that the Saints lost 27-9. to And Drew Brees looks to be out for six weeks or more mm. after having to get surgery on his throwing hand. So doesn't look like he'll play the Bucks first time around. We know the Bucks have a tendency with backup quarterbacks to let them have a big game, but I think with Cam Newton on the decline, with Drew Brees having to be uh, having to miss some time. Listen, I know you're laughing, I know you're smiling. I know this goes back to what I opened the show up with. It's a victory Monday. Let me let me have this. <laughs> but I think this is set up to where your next few division games you can feel somewhat not comfortable, <clears throat> but it's just something to even the odds a little bit. And I think it's kind of falling into this place uh, where the team can figure out how they want to take advantage of it. Because, you know, Drew Brees is the best quarterback in the NFC South. There's no arguing mm -hmm. that. So you're missing him. That's a big piece of that Saints offense. And we've seen that team without him before, and they just play different, man. They don't play like the Saints <clears throat> we're used to seeing. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but I just still, I the, their roster is just really good. Oh, yeah, um, they do have a stack team, no doubt. Ted, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, you know, you could do much worse for a backup quarterback. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, um, there, there, there'd be some, a few NFL teams right now he'd be a starter on. Um, oh, yeah. You know, uh, Miami, Cincinnati, um, teams like that, he, he'd, be a, he'd be a starting quarterback. Um, we, we, we'd even said Tampa Bay if, worst case scenario, Jameis hey, Winston doesn't work out. Yeah, and I mean, he's still I'm a fan an of, option next year. I'm a year. fan of Teddy. He's good. Yeah, he's good. I, I I think he's good. And you know, a lot of people are gonna hate on him for last week. But you know, the the truth is that's a tough spot to come into. Yeah. Um. The the Rams aren't the, the Rams are a good football team too. And um, Teddy Bridgewater had no game plan put in for him whatsoever. 
you know, and and that's not, you know, obviously you you could say, well, the Rams didn't game plan for Bridgewater either. Yeah, that's true, but I think it's much more important that a quarterback uh, is familiar and comfortable with the game plan that was made for a Drew Brees run offense, not a Teddy Bridgewater run offense. Right, and. I think you're going to see the Saints um, really start to to do some things that they did with that they didn't do with Breeze that are going to do with Bridgewater, particularly running running the ball. I do think that the Saints are going to try to run the ball a little bit more, and I also think that they're going to try to use Bridgewater's legs a little bit more because yeah, he, uh, he, Bridgewater he, is more of a runner than I mean Bridgewater isn't he's not like a Lamar Jackson type. But he he's more of a runner than Drew Brees is, so he poses more of a threat there. Well, well you also think um, about the three-headed monster that they can use. They're going to mix things up, and like you said, maybe do some things that they wouldn't typically do with Drew Brees there, and that can include bringing in a guy like Taysom Hill a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He's not the best yeah. quarterback in the world, but he's a Swiss Army knife, and I mean, when you've got him, Alvin Kamara, and Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who's really got some wheels on him, they can make some things happen, so it is an interesting thought yep. for sure. Yeah, I mean... You know, and, and you do look at the the Bucks next two two division games, and they're against the Saints, at, you know, in New Orleans, and then against the Panthers in London. Um, those those two are, I mean, I, I still think the Saints game is tough. Yeah, it's a it's a road game. Both of those games are winnable. I would say they're not impossible. Um. I still believe that they'll probably lose to the Saints just because the New Orleans, like we said earlier, the Saints are still a good football team. It's not like, you know, it's not like they're a team that just, like, if Breeze plays bad, the Saints lose. Like, no, Breeze can play bad and the Saints can still win because they still got talent on defense and they still got, you know, Michael Thomas and Jared Cook and a solid offensive line. Like you said, Alvin Kamara. Yeah. So, I mean, they got tons of talent all around the board. Um, and then Carolina, you know, we we saw Carolina, and you're really not sure yet with Carolina. Um, I mean, Carolina can almost be how they're going now. Um, Carolina can almost be out out of it, you know. Yeah. Um, by by week six, I mean, I don't know who they play next week. Um, I'm actually gonna go check that now. I, I think I feel like it's like Atlanta or something, um, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, no, okay, it's actually it's, it's Arizona. Um, okay. So I mean, there's a chance for Carolina to get back on track. Um, with a win, uh, we'll see what happens there. But I mean, you never know with them, and it's a winnable game. And um, but I, the bad part is that I did have the Bucks splitting with each division opponent this year. Yeah. But I had them losing to Carolina in Carolina and beating Carolina in London. So definitely, um, definitely makes that London game a little more interesting now that you look at it. And like you said, yeah. some adjustments need to be made for Carolina. They're down, but definitely not out. Uh, but they're no, going to yeah, have I to mean, change some things quick. The the big thing is week three, you know. And yeah. uh, Carolina, if you if you lose to Arizona, you're you're pretty much done. Um, <laughs> Arizona, Arizona. I mean, they're not a horrible team like they were last year. They're not as bad. Um, because Kyler Murray's actually played pretty well behind but, a terrible offensive line. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're a team that you should beat. Like yeah. if you're if you're you know, because then after that you got Houston, which I wouldn't bet that you're going to beat them. Then you got Jacksonville, a team that you could beat, and honestly, maybe should beat. And then you got the London game. So don't count out my guy uh, Gardner Minshew, man. He's my new favorite quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> I, I mean, this dude is a stud. If you guys haven't seen him, stud. all you gotta know he's a stud dresser. He's a stud. Dresser. All you gotta see is the picture of him stepping off the plane in his seventies with the porno stash get up. I mean, dude, that was yep. 
Oh man, I I, I like that guy. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, yeah, that's uh, yeah, uh, you know, um, he had almost let a comeback, you know, but yeah, like like we're going back to the Panthers, you know, it's, it's a winnable game. It, that's that's the bottom line. Um, but it's also like teams starting to become desperate. So maybe Carolina gets on a hot streak and things become more difficult for the Bucks. Like, I mean, I know, you know, they're a division opponent. They're not going to want to get swept. So, oh, no. Um, like, that's, like, that's the worst thing. Especially uh, Carolina. I don't know what it is, but I've always considered Carolina our biggest division rival over New Orleans well, or Atlanta. I, I think it's because um, New Orleans and Atlanta kind of had their own rivalry. So yeah. rivalry, sorry. Um so I think that's pretty much why, and it's kind of like okay, well, Atlanta and New Orleans have had this, so I guess it's I I guess it's Carolina, and uh, you know <laughs> I, I guess it's Carolina and Tampa. It's right. kind of like with the with the NFC East, um, Cowboys and Eagles hate each other, so the Giants and Redskins are like, all right, I I, I guess like you know um, Bears and Packers, and like the Vikings and Lions are like, okay, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll I feel call like it. That's what it is. We'll, we'll call it what um, it is. Yeah, but um, to me, honestly, the the Carolina games are always the most boring games that the Bucks play out of the out of the division games. Yeah, uh, I can't I can't remember the last like shootout we really had with Carolina. I mean, of course, you've got the four interception game from last year, but I wouldn't even call that a shootout. Um, but I, I get what you mean. We've got one yeah. more division rival to look at here, and then we'll move on to your guys' questions. The Atlanta Falcons. They battled the Eagles on Sunday Night Football in a down-to-the-wire contest. They won that game 24-20. to But Matt Ryan threw three interceptions, and he threw two in week one. So He threw seven all last season. Now he's five in two games. I don't want to entirely look at Matt Ryan because I still believe he's a solid quarterback. But listen, dude, can we attribute this to the dirt cutter offense? Like I know it's you know it's hard to kind of make that assumption when it's a scheme and a quarterback who should know how to make better decision making in the pocket. Yeah. But I mean, he threw for a lot of yards. I remember his stat line was over three hundred yards. So they're productive, but he's turning the ball over much more than he ever has. So I mean, wow, you got to draw the line like, somewhere. Sounds like the Tampa Bay offense um, last year. So. Um, you know, drive up and down the field, but um, turnovers ultimately kill you. Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, I I don't know because it, like, I think I think one I know one pass one interception in week one by Ryan was tipped and it was then picked off. That's not really a thing on the system, right? Um, one last night I think was tipped and picked off. Uh, what I think last night again I think um. His arm got hit, and then the ball kind of like fluttered there, and then it was picked. So th- there's a few. I mean, there, there's a story to every single turnover. Every turnover has a different story. Um, but I mean, yeah, Terry Cutter's offense, offensive scheme typically um, requires you know QB to stand in there and make some tough throws, and um, it's either going to get you a big gain or it, it's going to um, result in an interception or or some type of turnover, and um, I mean, you're seeing it now with Ryan, but, um, you know, Dirk Cutter didn't have the best game calling a game last night, but credit, give credit where credit's due because 
Um, that play call at the end there uh, was was spectacular. Um, yeah, they, they they noticed what formation the Eagles were in, and everybody said, "Well, Ryan checked out, so it's not really." Dirk's play call. Well, I mean, Dirk's telling him, like, if you see this, check out and go to this. Like, he's telling him that. Like, he's, Matt, like, Matt Ryan has the headset in his helmet. Like, yeah. he's telling him that right there. So, um, yeah, great, great play call by, by Dirk Cutter, and it ultimately won the Falcons the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I feel like Matt Ryan over the past few seasons has sort of got, like, flown, like, he, like, just lost the ball like lollipops it. Like he doesn't have much zip. Like he's got a strong arm. Right. He'll just kind of toss it up there. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like he ever. I mean, he, like, dude, very rarely does he throw a fastball. Like, but think about it. Fastball. When you've got Julio Jones, you can get kind of comfortable with just tossing it up hmm. there because we see yeah, that on I mean, display time and time again. And Calvin Ridley had a big night last night. And, yeah, I mean, they he got did. Help me win my fantasy up. matchup, man. Uh, I got absolutely pummeled. Uh, yeah. I, I had a great week on fantasy. I got pummeled because I got pummeled because I have Drew Brees, and he got <laughs> he got me nothing. And then I got Alshon Jeffrey, and Alshon Jeffrey was out for the game, and uh, just yeah, just just bad man. I've, I've, I got I got I got Nick Chubb tonight, but it's not it's not even gonna matter. I'm I've down got like thirty. I've got OBJ tonight. Let me give you a quick rundown of what I'm working with because this is I mean this is the best fantasy matchup I've had in quite some time because I had come to the conclusion that I just suck at fantasy and I probably still do. I probably just got lucky this week. But Tom Brady got me 25 points. Devontae Freeman got me 10. OBJ still has to play tonight. Juju Smith-Schuster got me 13. Jared Cook got me 4.5. I mean could have been better. But Calvin Ridley, big night for him. He got me 24.5 points. Matt Bryant got me 8. And guess what, Evan? The only thing keeping me in this fantasy game was the New England defense putting up 37 damn points. Oh, man. God. That's crazy. It's Victory Monday, <laughs> dude. I mean, hopefully, because the other guy has got um, the other <clears throat> guy has got David and Joku tonight, but I, I, I seriously doubt well, he puts up What are you more. up? I'm up, uh, I think, like 13. So I, as long I, I as I don't think Njoku's gonna get more than thirteen. Yeah, as long as OBJ can get like five points, I think I got yeah. it in the bag. Yeah, if if you didn't have Odell Beckham, then maybe. But I just don't think <laughs> with you having with you having a guy that I mean he's gonna he might not light the world on fire, but he's gonna get targets. Points. Yeah, uh, like he's it's not gonna unless obviously something like an injury happens, he's gonna get you you know points. So um, yeah, I have a tough time seeing you lose that one. Um. But I mean, yeah, the, the Patriots defense had back-to-back pick sixes. So, dude, they had um, the interception on the last play of the game too. Yeah, I saw it, that. that was. That, I sent out that tweet. The end of that game, the last play of that game was probably the <clears> most <throat> just depressing thing I've ever seen. So, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Your division rival rundown for Week Two: Buccaneers in first place with a one-and-one record. We'll see how long that lasts. But let's move into some of your user-submitted questions. We've got a lot of great questions today, and um, most of them have to do with the ever-changing landscape of the NFL and some personnel moves. So we're going to open up with one of the biggest hot topics right now in NFL, uh, player-wise. And we've got a question from Phil Karash 8 and then Ben underscore no underscore comment. Both of you guys basically asked the same thing, and this is the question. Do you guys think the Bucks should try and make a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick? If so, what would you give? Well, Evan, you and I were talking before the show, and we had mentioned that on Pewter Reports Mailbag Monday, they kind of 
put it out there that the Bucks don't have a ton of interest in a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, and I can kind of agree with it. Like, you know, tossing around the idea, I got why you would want to bring a guy like that to Tampa, but it just doesn't seem super realistic in a sense that the uh-huh. Bucks are going to pursue anything seriously. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. yeah, what are your thoughts on that one? Well, I mean, answer one part of the question, should they be interested, is yes. Um, I, I believe that that all 30, obviously all 31, I guess, not 32, because the Dolphins want to trade him, but um, 31 NFL teams should be interested in trading for Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, the Dolphins should be interested in keeping Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, dude, um, it, tank for Tua. It, this is beyond tank. This is, Jesus. <laughs> My God, I don't know what this is. <laughs> it, man. it was so to get off topic. I, mean, I respect we're still talking. It. I, I do respect it, and I'll, I'll bring up a few points, quick points, because this has turned into a Miami Dolphins like either like bash or like praise <laughs> podcast. So I do want to bring up a few quick points that I was actually texting my buddy last night, um, and I have experience from it because I'm a Sixers fan. So Ooh. once you get your point out there, I'll get my point out there. Okay, I, I was just gonna say like I had the game on the TV on Sunday. Yeah, and I did too. It was it was fourteen to zero <clears throat> headed into halftime. Yep. And so I went upstairs, took a shower, came back downstairs, ready to watch the rest of the football game, and it's like forty two to zero. And it was oh man. It it was just it was brutal. And to see the Dolphins give up that many points back to back weeks, it almost my heart broke for Fitzmagic. Because I truly wanted to see something happen this year, even if it was for two games, even if it was for one. I really wanted him to have a moment against New England, and uh, his moment was losing by 50 points. But, uh, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Um, I'm a Sixers fan, and so I know the term tanking pretty well. And um, let me just tell you, Dolphins fans, like if you guys are listening to this, you probably aren't. But um, – if if this works out the way it's worked out for the Sixers, it's it's gonna be worth it. Um, but it is gonna take a lot of patience and stuff, and um, it's gonna take a lot of frustration. With the Sixers, there's a few things that were like pretty weird um, that happened. I'm not really gonna get into them, but um, but the Dolphins since I believe 2012. I texted a buddy this since 2012. The, the, this is their records since 2012 at the end of each season. Seven and nine, okay. Seven nine two and twelve. Eight and eight two and thirteen. Eight and eight two and fourteen. Six and ten two thousand fifteen. Ten and six in two thousand sixteen. That was the one lone year they went to the playoffs. Six and ten in two thousand seventeen. Seven and nine two thousand eighteen. That is that's mediocre. That's the definition of mediocre. Yeah, I mean so, it's, it's something we're totally used to here in Tampa. <laughs> no, just no, no. Just like Trevor Trevor Sikama said, like when he was talking about like the Dolphins being mediocre, and somebody had tweeted at him, and he even said it on the Pewter Report podcast. He said like the Bucks aren't mediocre; they're just bad. Like back to back five and eleven seasons, you know. Before that was a nine and seven, but before that was so a six and ten. Before that was two and fourteen. Like that's bad. Yeah, like, that's not like mediocre. Is like you're going seven and nine every year, eight and eight every year. Like, well, and that's the that's, that's... the thing too, though, is the the ten and six year that you talked about. I remember they ended up going to the playoffs. I remember yeah, that was a Pittsburgh. really that was a really optimistic year for every Dolphins fan that I knew. And you truly thought that they finally <clears throat> had the wheels rolling and something to build on, and yeah. uh, it just didn't happen. Well, and then you know the Bucks were a hype team too because that same year they went nine seven, and then that oh, was the yeah. week one match. That was the week one matchup. 
Bucks versus Dolphins that ended up getting being postponed. Um, but anyways, uh, back to that. So when you're mediocre like that, you're almost your only way out is the tank. And I respect it. I just do. And if it works out, you guys are gonna be feeling great. If if it doesn't, oh well, right? Then yeah. then you just gotta start over and well, then just hope you get some luck. But um yeah, I respect it and guys just stick in there for the long run. But I will say Mega Fitzpatrick is not somebody you should be trading. And to answer the question, I know people are probably sick of this. They probably already turned off the podcast because we've just been talking about the Dolphins and the Sixers and why. Um Special yeah, edition should, Monday, so I mean, we'll let it slide. should be interested in trading for him, but as Peter reported said, they don't really have much interest. And um, what I would give up, I'd probably give up a second-round pick, and that, no more than that, probably. Uh, I, there's been reports that they want a first-round pick and maybe then some. Um, I think there might be a team that ends up fat, you know, throwing them a first-round pick, a team like, a, like a, a contender or something that just wants to really part with their first-round pick. Um, feels like they're one piece away, they might do it. So we'll see what happens. But uh, it, I wouldn't expect it. I'd be shocked if it was in Tampa Bay. Definitely an interesting thing to keep an eye on. So there is your question, or uh, there is your answer for that question, Phil and Ben. Let's move on to our next question. This comes from Jarek Frolic 4 He says, what do you guys think Jameis and Arians will work on throughout the season? And it's an interesting question because y- you kind of see – uh, what Jameis seems to be working on these first two weeks, we had talked about against Carolina. He's really trying to just stay in the pocket and find an open receiver and really trying to drive that home. But, you know, there are, of course there are different things, I'm sure, that's talked about between them because B.A. was brought here to make Jameis a better player. Uh, so, Evan, I mean, what do you think in particular has got to be top of the list for Jameis to just adapt to and you know, try and pick up from BA. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it has to be decision making, right? I mean, oh yeah. Like, just decision making still not the best, and um, also footwork. Uh, sometimes it does seem like he gets really antsy, really and when he does that, there, yeah. his his footwork goes crazy, and it results in not good. Um, Cincinnati game was a prime example. Go back and watch those highlights of the Cincinnati game, and you'll see on most of his interceptions. Uh, don't look at the play. Look at his feet, and his feet are going absolutely crazy. Um, his feet never settle down. He's just his feet just go. They're, they're like just going up and down. Um, well, I mean, think about it. These past these past few years, when has his offensive <clears throat> line ever given him given him time to settle down? He's just used to it. No, at this I understand point. that, but I mean. He, he's got to realize you have time. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you have time. You're not going to be pressured every play. Um, the defensive lines just don't work like that. Um, you know, footwork is a big thing. Decision-making is another, I think. Um, deep ball accuracy, look, I don't know. I think his deep ball is better than a lot of people think. It's not good, but it, it's it's better than a lot of people think, uh, especially thrown to a guy like Mike Evans. He seems to have found like a good... Uh, solid um, chemistry with Mike Evans on the deep ball. Not really anybody else, though. Um, And that's what I'm sure, because I'm sure Arians would like to get some downfield shots like Chris Godwin, uh, Brashad Perryman. It hasn't really worked out yet. Brashad Perryman, if he Uh, can hang on to the ball. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, hey, they're they're a first-place football team, according to you, so it doesn't really matter. Hey, 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 according to me, they are a first-place football team. Settle down there, buckaroo. It's only week two, but 
First place. Uh, it's only week two. It's only week two. So <laughs> Trout Braven can have more opportunities just to catch football. Shh, let me have this. I will let you have it. Let me have this. My God. Um, give and take, man. Give and take. Um, you know, but I just think those are the three things. His deep ball, I don't really know how much you can really work on that, like in practice and stuff. Yeah. That's just a thing that I think has to come in during a game. Like, he's got to, like, actually do it before, like um, – he can tell like he can do it and um right now he just hasn't done that but i think the big thing is footwork and uh decision making which unfortunately has been a thing ever since he was drafted really um and that's not a good sign that's really not a good sign when uh you've been drafted and your number one two things are your turnovers slash decision making and your footwork is a little bit bad and neither has really improved that much i mean his footwork's improved a little bit but i mean not really. I don't know. That that's not a good sign. You know what's funny as well is I was reading a Twitter thread the other day, um, and it was about another quarterback in the NFL that Jameis gets compared to a lot. I really don't have to say any names, but this thread, you could have just screenshotted just the thread, and it was interchangeable between Jameis Winston and this other quarterback, who, if you haven't guessed it by now, is Marcus Mariota. These guys uh. are five years in. They're kind of at a stalemate with whether they're you know first round pick worthy or not. Um, but it's just funny because you think a lot of the times about like, man, I really wonder if other fans of these or uh, other teams fans are talking about their quarterback or this certain player and they're breaking it down the way that they are after two weeks of football. And it looks like they are, um, it, it's almost an opposite case with them though. And I, I don't want to drag too much on, but with Mariota, it seems like he's too conservative with Jameis. We know that he tries to be Superman, and sometimes too just ends up, yeah. yeah, just ends up doing too much. And uh, again, the footwork you had brought up—he gets excited back there, leads to bad decision making, rush throws, and it's not what you want to see. But it's just funny that both of these guys are at this status right now. So this is the year for them to shake that off. But yeah. um, well, but yeah. Um, one th- also speaking of the Titans and Mark Mariota, I, I just I saw it. And I wanted to look it up just to confirm it because I saw it yesterday. Adam Humphreys, three catches for four yards through two games. So, man, <clears throat> I just saying. I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know how the Titans' offense is being run. I haven't really watched it, um, but I mean, you would think you'd want to get the guy you're paying eight million dollars involved a little bit more? Imagine if he had actually. I'm not, I'm not sure how much he's been targeted, but imagine if he had actually taken up that uh, that offer to play in New England. He'd be killing it right now for my team. But, uh, yeah, he hasn't oh. come off of the bench at all in my fantasy games this year. Sad yeah, to see. The, uh, Antonio Brown, Adam Humphreys, Josh Gordon, Julian Edelman. <laughs> Good Lord. So, let's move on to our next question here. It's not so much of a question, but more of like an interesting point that's brought up. And we're going to have some fun with this one. This one comes from Muscle Mills. And like I said, it's not a question, but he says, The cream sickles are the best uniforms, and then the color rush. So, Evan, I'm going to ask you of this. Of all time, I'm going to assume? I'm assuming of all time. So, Evan, I'll ask you this. What are your top three Buccaneer uniforms? Top, okay, top three. Yeah, we'll um, go top three because, I mean, you go five, six, seven, yeah. then we'll be here for 20 yeah, minutes. Yeah, you go five, six, seven, you're naming every combination. <laughs> um, so, I'm looking at a picture right now. And those red 2002 jerseys just look fantastic. So I'm going to go, that's number one. Okay. Uh, the original red 2002. Um, I personally don't think they needed a change. 
I like the logo change. I do like the, their logo better now. And I like their helmet better now, but I don't really like the um, I don't like the jerseys as much. Yeah. Uh, two, probably the creamsicle. Um, probably the creamsicle, and then three. Three is probably the color rush. Yeah. Or I I always liked um, I always liked the. The uh, both of the away creamsicle I liked. Yeah, man, and, those um, are so clean. Yeah, the away creamsicles are nice. I don't think I have a somewhere. Yeah, right over there, I got a picture of. You guys can't really see it, but I got a, I got a picture of it. Right, I'm looking at it. Um, oh, dude, they're clean. That's probably that's probably number. Yeah, I'd I'd say. I'd say Color Rush is probably three, and then that's probably close to, you know, it's a, it might be tied for three, honestly, the away creamsicle. So. Yeah. Um, but honestly, Bucks never really had, like, an alternate uniform before, like, this year, and it's the Color Rush now. So yeah. um, you either had the home creamsicle, away creamsicle, home pewter, red, uh, home pewter, away pewter, or, you know, now the home away and alternate. So You know what I always thought was a solid look, though, back when they were wearing just the red and pewter Every once in a while, they'd bust out the red jerseys with the white pants. It's I, solid now. I, yeah, I, I thought I thought like, that was pretty their, dope. That's their best uniform combination right now. Yeah. Like if you if you're just obviously not counting the color rush, if you're not counting the color rush, their best uniform combination is um, the red red jersey white pants. Well, I'm even I'm even talking like the Super Bowl uniforms, the dark red pewter. Yeah, and they I, have the white I, pants. I, those are, I agree. Yeah, okay. I agree. All right, so I'll, I'll give you my. I like those. I like those Peter pants a good bit, but yeah, yeah. I, I like. I like those. Um, I I do. Uh, I do like those, and actually, Bucks are gonna be wearing their home jerseys against the Giants, but I'm not sure what pants. So maybe we will see uh, yeah, red we'll on white. We'll see. We'll see. So I'll give you my top three, and then we'll move on here. But creamsicles are number one for me. Like it took it. It took so long for them to grow on me, and I don't know why. I think it's, you know... Were you... How... What year were you born? 1998. Oh, so you didn't really see them. Yeah, I never saw them in action. Obviously, I didn't I saw... I went to a few of the throwback games. 2009-2010, I went to the throwback games those years, so I kind of saw them in action. Um, But even then, I wasn't entirely sold. I didn't like the orange. I didn't like the throwback. And something just clicked a few years ago, and I just really sat there and I looked at them, man. And, like, they are... Yeah, they are just a clean-looking uniform all around. The white helmet, the orange jersey with the white and the red outline. You wear it with the red pants. White helmets now. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to pull that off, that was nice. So the creamsicles are number one for me, just because it's a clean, good look. Like I think it's a uniform the Bucks could still wear today. The orange is. It's vibrant, but that's the Bucks, man. That's what they were. It's the creamsicle. It's bright. Tampa Bay. I mean, that's. That's Tampa Bay to me. Second place, got to be the Super Bowl jerseys, of course, because of the Super Bowl win. But it's just a good look. And when you think of professional football uniforms, to me, and I'm sure to a lot of people, uh, the more simple, the better. And you look at uniforms that haven't been changed in 100 years, like the Packers. You know, that's an iconic, symbolic look. It's a classic look. Simple is better. And the Buccaneers nailed that formula with those red and pewter because the jerseys did just enough to really put it out there that it's an aggressive Buccaneer yep. red team. The logo did everything it needed to do. 
And, well, yeah, of course, Pewter, man. Come well, on. I mean, I remember hearing a lot of people really didn't like that when they first did it. Like, the a lot of people, a lot of, well, everything. Like, when it was they such a dramatic from, change. When they, sw- oh, yeah. I mean, you're changing <laughs> ever. Literally. You, you, when you change the colors of the team, yeah, that's that's a big change. Yeah. Um, you, you see teams change uniforms now. You don't see teams change colors anymore. Like, yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you went from orange, orange and white to red and what? Like, what's the what the heck is pewter? Yeah, like, you know, yeah. <clears throat> like I don't know, but yeah, I mean, one thing I want to ask you though, and it's before you get to your third one, okay? You said the red jerseys partly because of the Super Bowl win. Yeah, if they had, what happens? What happens <laughs> if they hadn't? If they hadn't won, and then if they hadn't won. Would they for okay? That's part one of my question. If what would they be lower or higher if they hadn't won? No, they'd still be just where they're still at. Be there? Because I okay. mean, you, th- you, was... th- you think about it. When I was growing up, and when a lot of people were growing up, people associated Bucko Bruce and the Cream Sickles with Owen Twenty Six. You know, the worst football <laughs> yeah. team of that's, all time. That's what I was. That's what I was saying. Like, and, and even... so basically. Your number one was basically a symbol of losing, and then your right. number two, you said, was basically a symbol of almost like winning, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny how that works out. But from a design standpoint, yeah, I, I think the cream sickles are the cleanest, even though they were always associated with a bad team. The Super Bowl uniforms, they're great; wouldn't change a thing about them. And even if they didn't win the Super Bowl, they would still be my number two. And my number three, it's got to be the color rush above anything else. I, I, I like. Well, I don't really like. I mean, it's I've got simple. the jerseys hanging up over my shoulder, but yes, it's, it's simple. simple. And it's a great way to really like pull off the it's hard to pull off those numbers because that's the biggest yeah, complaint they that we have. Change. They don't look bad on a white jersey when you've got the red numbers. But on a red jersey, if you're going to have a number that gets that much attention, just make it pewter. It looked so much better. And I'm really, really a big fan of the Color Rush above anything else. I wish they wore the Color Rush jersey with, like, some white pants, redid them up a little bit or something. That'd be clean. But until then, I can only do it in Madden. So there's my top three. I would like to see, like, the Color Rushes become, like, switch the numbers up, get rid of, like, the alarm clock things, just make it a solid number. Yeah. Um, You could sort of have, like, the same font, just get rid of, like, those lines or whatever that's on them. Um, make a solid number. Have the color rush as the primary ones. Yeah, add, you know, add like a like a black stripe or something like right there, um, and then have like your away ones basically like white. Get rid of that the black patch mm-hmm. um, right there. Get it, just, just get them white or whatever with like a pewter thing there or like or red right here. Um, solid red numbers, and then your alternate be like a all pewter one. Like, right. That'd be, That'd be dope. Cool. That'd be dope. So And you could wear like pewter with like white pants or whatever. Yeah, it, yeah. it would look it would look pretty good. But um Bucks are wearing their color rush jerseys, uh, versus the Saints in week eleven and versus the Colts in week fourteen. Awesome. Awesome. So there is our top three Buccaneers uniforms. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you leave yours in the comment down below. Let us know what uniforms yeah, you like sure. and which ones you don't. So We've got two more questions, and then we'll wrap up and get out of here. Our next question comes from Gil Ochoa. If we have a great season, who are the players you think will get re-signed from their one-year deal? It's pretty interesting. I think the first name you really have to consider and throw out there is Shaq Barrett, no doubt. Well, yeah, but let's be real. The the main person is James Winston, but... Oh, oh, I mean, yeah. 
But I'm thinking. I mean, he's contracted. The, he's a free agent. Like. Yeah, but I'm also thinking of the guys who were simply brought here on a one-year deal. Yeah, because I, you know, I know when just... when they built this team, we talked about there's a lot of guys who, whether we like it or not, are going to be temporary on this football team. And I think one mm-hmm. of the biggest names that was kind of tossed around when you think about it is Indomitka Sue, probably the biggest yeah, signing of the offseason. Yeah. Um, it's still hard for me to believe that Sue sticks around unless we really end up making a playoff push or this team does something fantastic yep. towards the end of the season. Um, so, I mean, he's a maybe. But like I said, Shaq Barrett's another name that I think of. Um, yeah, I I have a hard time seeing the Bucks let Shaq Barrett go. Yeah. Even even before he started being like really productive, now Todd Bowles loves him, and I yeah, I have a tough time unless his price tag is just absolutely enormous. Which guys like he's gotten four sacks in two games. Don't expect that pace, you know, yeah. because yeah. there there's film on it now, and you know, just like Peter Report had said in their mailbag, they said like there's gonna be there's film on this guy now, and now you know you'll just double team him, and and that'll be that. And, his his sacks will go down. Um, maybe a guy like Carl Nassib can step up. Carl Nassib is also a guy who not on a one year deal, but is a free agent after this year. So um, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys, but I'd say Shaq Barrett has a good chance of being re-signed. Um, Dominican Sue, I don't think so, honestly. Um, is Kevin Buchanan, Mentor on a one year deal? Yeah, yeah, I think he has a good shot of getting re-signed. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Dan Buchanan, I think, does because I think they just really like him as a backup, like money backer type role. Um, and I mean, other other than that, though, it's too early to say right now. Yeah, like, you, you but really it, gotta... no, you just don't know. Like, you're assuming the Bucks have a good season, but like they could have a good season, and Nadamakin too could be absolutely horrible. Like, right. You know, right. like just because Ndamukong two is horrible doesn't mean it's a bad season. Like they could still be good despite some players. So yeah, and it like you said, it really just depends on who we see produce and who we don't see produce. Because depending on where this team is come November and December, uh, we're gonna yeah. figure out who's really important on this team because they're gonna have to step up big time. I personally think they're gonna try to keep most guys. Like I yeah. don't think. They're going to let Nadam Kinsu walk out the door necessarily, but I just don't know if they, they're they going to be willing to pay him another $9 million. Um, his price tag's going to have to come down a little bit for him to be back, I think. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few players to think about, but again, it is, it, it's kind of early to tell. Uh, so maybe yeah, this is something we can talk about a little later on in the year. But of course, you got to hope for ask, a good ask, year. Ask that question again in, in you know week twelve, and then we can talk. <laughs> exactly. So we have got our final question of the day, and this comes from Master Shuffy on Instagram. And this one's an interesting question: season predictions for overall offense and defense. So basically, where they rank first through thirty second. And again, this is another one of those questions where, yeah, it can be too early to tell. Um, but based off of what we've seen, I think I can make a rough estimate of where this team's going to end up. Because I'll throw it out there right now. I don't think this offense is going to get that much better. I mean, I don't think they're going to be bad. I don't think they're going to get worse than what we've seen. But I definitely don't think they're going to be a top 10 offense at the end of the year when all is said and done. So... Yeah. It, Going back to the last question, you got to see who produces and what really comes of it. But I'll throw mine out there. I think this is a top 10 defense if they can keep up the productivity. I think maybe they'll finish 8th or ninth in the league. I think this offense will finish 
little under middle of the pack. I'll say they'll be 21st place. Yeah. Um, alright, so... If you would have asked me this before the season, I probably would have had to... I didn't really expect the offense to put up, like, video game numbers. Um, I expect them to be a little bit better, but not really video game numbers. Uh, I did expect, obviously, the defense to be improved, but maybe not this improved. So, um, if you would have asked me, like, two months ago, I probably would have said, like, offense around, like, 13, defense around, like, 20. Um, now it's sort of going to be switched. I'm going to have the defense probably around 12, uh, which is... <laughs> big improvement oh yeah definitely um, you know, like Not... that's that is a huge step to go from basically 31 or 32 in every category um to be you know and i believe they were like 27th against the rush but whatever to go from the you know, 12 and overall defense that is that's impressive um was that a sneeze? Bless you. I'm not oh, sure. No, no, no. I'm good. I, I muted my <laughs> okay. mic. I had a cough coming on, so I wanted to make sure nobody heard it. <laughs> um, so then offense, I do think they'll pick it up a little bit. Um, I, I don't think, like, I don't really agree with you saying that um, they're not going to get much better. I do think they're going to get a little bit better. Um, I don't really think you're going to see, you know, 30 points consistently, 40 points consistently, but I don't think you'll see 40 points at all. Um, but I do think there'll be a game or two where they hit over 30, um, maybe even three or four games. So I'm going to say the offense probably around 16 uh, with the defense around 12, um, 16 or 17. Defense, the range, I think, is going to be like 11 to like 15 or so. And with the offense, I would say they're probably like 16 to like 21 or so. Right. So yeah. you, you say the offense is 21. It's not bad. Um, uh, right. I, you know, it's just I don't agree with you saying that you don't think the offense is going to get much better because I do think that more weeks in this offense, it's a brand new scheme. I think the more time you get into it, the more comfortable you're going to be. And, um, hey, I could be wrong with the defense, too, because same thing, you know, defense is playing great right now. And but the more they get comfortable with it, the better you think, the better they're going to play. So, yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. That's totally fair. But. Um, going back to the offense thing, like, it, it, to kind of, de not defend my point, but just to kind of throw out there, I, I don't, I don't want to say they're not going to get much better. Um, I don't want to say that we've seen first, the best they First have. eight weeks, Arizona 2013, they struggled on yeah, offense, then they yeah. turned it up. I don't want to say that we've seen the best they have to offer, but I don't know. I'll say middle of the pack. You know, you brought up the range. I'll say range is like 17 to 22. Yeah, I, I, I what I what I said sixteen. That is middle. That you can't right. get any more middle than that. I had to cough again. Excuse me. Wasn't expecting you to. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> I gotta I gotta keep my cough button ready because I've got the the button <laughs> on the mic to shut it off real quick. So yeah, there is your uh, Cannon Fire Podcast mailbag is what we'll call it. Um, we might do something like this again, like the bye week or something. Yeah, maybe. yeah. This was a lot of fun and uh, something we can look forward to. Like you said, a, a, a special edition of the show because there yep. isn't a whole lot of football to talk about. We've already broken down everything well, you need to know from. I mean, the, and if I mean, if the Bucks when the Bucks play in London, like we could probably record, you know, on that Sunday and then maybe Monday have like a mailbag or something. Oh, we'll yeah. see. Oh yeah, definitely got to see how it plays out, but. Be on the lookout for some special things like this when there isn't a ton of Buccaneers football going on. Of course, the guys are going to be back practicing. They've got that little week and a half, few-day break after the Thursday game we had talked about. 
Um, and then we will be back with you on Thursday. We'll be previewing the New York game, uh, and that'll be a good show. We'll talk about – I'm sure by then we'll figure out who's going to start because right now it's a toss-up between Eli and yeah. Daniel Jones. Hopefully we know who I, – I, I would guess by the time we're recording on Thursday, you'll probably know. Yeah. Uh, or we'll have like a good, or you know, if if we don't know, we can preview both guys. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. If we'll we, do, if we we'll don't do two know, separate honestly, episodes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> one one for Daniel Jones, one for Eli Manning, and they'll be completely yeah, different game know, predictions. I mean, we're gonna know we we know pr- a good bit of of each guy, so yeah. especially Eli. So honestly, I would expect it to be Eli. Um. Personally, I, I, I would. No, I'm not. I mean, um, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's I just only think, week three. Yeah, I, I just if it was like week five, six, seven, then I think you'd see Dan Jones. But I think they want to give Eli one more chance to just see if they can go. Um, you know, if they can go over. You know, if they can finally get a win. Um, you think we'll get one of those patented Eli Manning rushing touchdowns that he always seems to score against us? Where he just kind of falls over into the end zone. I, I, I need I need the cough button. Uh, <laughs> man, oh, man, you sent it over this way. Um, oh, my bad, my bad. Well, I, I hope not because that that wouldn't be good. Uh, anyways, I mean, look at the Giants' schedule. They have the Bucks this Sunday, and then they have the Redskins. So if they don't start Manning this week, and let's say Manning loses to the Bucks, you could start Daniel Jones against the Redskins. And that game's at home as well in New York. So yeah. um, there, there's an opportunity there to, to start um, Daniel Jones before you have a tough stretch because um, after after the Redskins game, like the Giants, go, they're going to be desperate, guys. Like They're going to be desperate. They don't want to go 0-3. And then if they go 0-3... Then they play Washington. They might win, but then they play Minnesota, uh, New England, and Arizona. So I mean, that might be a win. But then like Detroit. Then you got Dallas, and they still got to play Philly twice. And um, yeah, then I see these. I see they got Chicago. Um, they got Green Bay in there. So um, they're going to be you know desperate to get a win on Sunday, and they're going to do what's best. So yeah. What they think is bet. What gives them the best chance to win? I think. In their minds, I think they're going to want to give Eli Manning one last chance. Yeah. And personally, I, I don't think he's going to you know, win. And I, I, I think that they're going to go to Daniel Jones in week four. But we'll see. So we'll see how it goes. And we'll break down that game for you much more in depth this coming Thursday on a brand new edition of Cannon Fire. I, I will say, Bucks fans should want to see Eli Manning. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Definitely. I know, I know Daniel Jones has been like the brunt of like many jokes. Um, and I don't think he's that good. Uh, but Eli Bears and backup quarterbacks, man. E- Eli looks completely lost. It's not backup quarterbacks this time. It's rookie quarterbacks. Greg Allman <laughs> to put out a stat. Quick little stat here. You know, we got a mailbag. It was a fun show, but you got to have a little bit of information here, right? Yeah. Um, so basically, Greg Allman had tweeted, and it, I mean, it was completely true. Um, rookie QBs against uh, the Bucks. Right, uh, the, or should say, the Bucks against rookie quarterbacks, not so good. Rookie QBs starting are twelve and three against Tampa Bay since start of two thousand eleven. Nick Mullins and Baker Mayfield lost last year. They were both rookies, both lost in Tampa, uh, and then um, EJ Manuel lost to the Bucks in Tampa in twenty thirteen in his rookie season. Uh, it said take away a four interception EJ Manuel game in 2013, and rookie QBs have 19 touchdowns, five interceptions against Tampa Bay since 2011. 
Good lord. So, um, yeah, I mean, but the good news is that I'm not exactly sure where I saw it, but um, not exactly sure where I saw it, but oh, here it is. I believe so. Um, if it is Daniel Jones for Giants on Sunday, Bucks Bruce Arians is 6-0 and all-time as head coach against rookie starting QBs. Defensive coordinator Todd Bowles was 3-0 and as Jets coach versus starting QBs. Um, so, yeah, Arians hasn't faced many rookie QBs. He's 6-0 and as head coach, and that includes Carr in 2014, Goff in 2016, but other four are Tannehill, Whedon, Glennon, and Bethard. Bowles was 3-0 and as head coach versus rookie starting QBs, beating Marcus Mariota, Deshaun Kaiser, and Josh Allen. So Yeah, well, you know what they say, never pick the rookie, especially in Vegas. So, uh, like I said, we'll break that game more so, on Thursday's episode. Oh, and also, but Bucks have tweaked their practice squad today, um, adding former Seahawks wide receiver Amari Dabo, Darbo and releasing uh, Emmanuel Hall. So okay, um, actually, I think I actually think Darbo is kind of good. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. hope I hope he can stick around and then compete for training camp spot next year. We'll oh see. yeah, definitely be interesting. <laughs> so new episode of CFP dropping Thursday, and it is Monday. So if you're listening to this on Monday tonight, 10 p.m. on 102.5 The Bone, it is the return of the weekly Bucks break on the Johnny B Show. I'm going to be in studio breaking down everything you need to know from the Carolina Panthers game, and the phone lines will be open so you guys can call in and yell about the Bucks, talk about whatever the hell your heart desires. The number to call, 800-771-1025. And again, that is every Monday at 10 p.m., 102.5 The Bone and the Johnny B Show. If for whatever reason you can't listen live tonight, that's all good. First thing Tuesday morning, we're going to be dropping brand new Bucks breaks. We released our weekly release schedule on our social media. So if you follow us over there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Cannon Fire Podcast, you would have seen it. But every Monday and Thursday, new episode of CFP. And then every Tuesday, a brand new Bucks break for you to listen to. With all of that being said, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much. If you were listening on one of our podcast outlets or watching with video on YouTube, Bucks Report, or the Bucks Report Facebook page. Make sure you follow us on social media. You can follow myself at Redicus on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow my co-host Evan at Bucks Wave on Instagram and Twitter. I already plugged the show's social media, so if you weren't listening, rewind it and listen again. Also... Shout out to our sponsors, the East Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Youth Football at its finest. This is a team that continues to do great things, and they are always looking for athletes and cheerleaders from 5 years old to 14 years old. It's a great thing for your kids to do in the fall, and it's an awesome program located in Riverview, Florida. Get all the info you ever need on the Buccaneers at eastbaybucks.org. I am Rhett, signing off for Evan, and we'll catch you next time. Go Bucks! First place, baby! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.